you all today on this episode. We are here in episode 83, and we are going to be talking all about a marriage that came back from death to life. That's right. Today, we are so privileged to have with us on the podcast, Chris and Steph Teague of Out of the Dust Music. Now, I have to tell you all, a crazy story. So you all may have heard me talking about how just a few weeks ago, my computer died, like the whole hard drive just disappeared into thin air. And I was panicking because I've got books and articles. And I had these amazing podcast interviews on my computer that I know slap on the hand, I did not back up, right? I have iCloud. I've got a whole external hard drive. Just didn't do it. I don't know why. Just didn't back it up. So praise God for my friend and computer programmer, Jay, was able to get my hard drive back with lots and lots of work and special prayers and fasting and wailings before the Lord. But we got it back. And you all, that hard drive contained this particular episode. And so we recorded this episode quite a while ago, but As we were going through post-production of this episode, I realized that just like my hard drive died and was brought back to life, the Teague's marriage was dead and was brought back to life. Y'all can't tell me that won't preach. That will preach. So anyway, the beautiful music that you heard in the intro is Chris and Steph's music. And again, their music is called Out of the Dust. Their new album releases on March 25th. It's called The After. So make sure that you go to everywhere that music is played and streamed and that you get that album when it drops. So throughout the episode, I'm going to be interweaving snippets of of their music. And it's so gorgeous. I've been listening to their music on repeat. And so you are in for such a treat today. If your marriage is on the brink of divorce, if you are right now considering filing divorce or signing papers, or maybe you haven't even talked to your spouse or anybody else, but you just want out, you're overwhelmed. I really believe that you have been brought here to this episode today, whether it was shared to you by someone or whether you just found this episode on your own or you're a faithful listener of Real Relationship Talk. God has brought you here today because he wants to encourage you where you are. Maybe you are not considering divorce in your marriage, but maybe like Chris, you are deconstructing your faith. And what I mean by that is you're asking the really hard, tough questions. You've been disappointed with God. Maybe you've walked away from the faith and you want to come back, but you're not really ready. You're not really sure if any of this is even real. I know that this episode is going to encourage you because that was Chris's story. And so this episode is just chock full of just so much goodness and so much encouragement. And I am so, so honored to be able to bring this episode to you all today. So without any further ado, please help me welcome my guests, Chris and Steph of Out of the Dust Music. You are listening to Real Relationship Talk, a podcast helping married and pre-married couples build lasting love from above. Got problems? Let's solve them. Because real trials need real truth. 
Now it's time to get in the game with your relationship coach and host, Dana Shea. All right. Well, Chris and Steph, again, thank you both for being here on the podcast. I am so excited to really just dive deep into your story. Um, I, I don't know how many times you've told your story. I'm sure you've done lots and lots of podcast interviews and maybe even TV interviews and such. Um, but as I was reading through your story, I was just so drawn to your transparency and your story is unique, even, you know, in the fact that you all were married and then there was a brief time that you spent time apart and then you got remarried. So let me just ask you off the bat, like, tell us a little bit about your original love story. How did you meet, um, all that good stuff? I can take it if you want me to. Go for it. Yeah. Um, so we actually are high school sweethearts and, uh, that's, you know, that's not as rare in the South, but I think it's becoming more and more rare that you meet somebody and stay together. Um, but we met on, of all places, we met on a mission trip to Philadelphia in, when would that have been? 2003. Yeah. Yeah. So it was the summer before our senior year in high school. And, uh, man, what a cool way to meet. And we sat together on the bus and things were, I mean, we just kind of clicked right away. Stephanie had a boyfriend at the time. So there was a bit of, there was a bit of, uh, not drama, but uh, maybe a little, a little something in the plot line there. Um, to clarify, we were great friends. <laughs> I didn't say we clicked romantically. I just meant we, we just clicked. So yeah. And then yeah, so, broke up with the boyfriend clearly. And then, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Anthony. Uh, and then we got married. Uh, we're friends with him, by the way. Uh, got married when we were in college. We were serving together. We were, um, we just, things looked great from the outside. I think we're all really good at doing that these days. Um, and this was before social media. Um, for the most part. <laughs> for the most part, yeah. And, and so we just, wow. Um, I think we just didn't have anybody speaking into our lives. We didn't have anyone that we were being authentic or, or transparent or saying, hey, this is hard. Hey, we're dealing with this. Hey, what do you think about this? Um, it was all just a lot. We're very alone. And uh, I was going through a season of making my faith my own. You know, a lot of young men and women, um, you know, they'll question what they've been handed. And I was going through that season. Uh, but sadly, I, I, I wasn't in a community. I wasn't in community with people. And I ended up not sharing that. And so I hid. And when we hide our true selves, it just opens the door for sin. Mm -hmm. And, um, that, that hiding led to shame. And I was in the music program at our, at a college, at the college that we went to here, uh, outside of Nashville. And, you know, the music industry is not well known for being wholesome at times. So I had plenty of things to choose from, you know, to help me cope with that shame. And so I turned to drugs and alcohol and friends and parties. And here I am, this young married man out almost every night, you know, she's, she's going to bed, I'm going out and that just wasn't okay. But I was so naive. I didn't know that that wasn't okay. Um, so let me ask so you much. Yeah. Good. Jump in. Yeah. Yeah. So Steph, how, how are you processing all that? Like Chris is hanging out every night. Are you thinking he's out here doing stuff he shouldn't be doing? Or are you praying him through? Like what's going through your mind as he's out every night? Uh, I didn't love it. <laughs> I, so I was 
I was teaching at the time, which is crazy. Your first couple of years, any of you educators, uh, and also getting my graduate degree. So I, I was tired all the time. I was busy and I just assumed, you know, this is, this is tough. Like we're just in a tough season and it'll be okay. It'll get better whenever our schedules kind of settle down. But I had, I had a feeling, I had a bad feeling, gut feeling about some of the people he was hanging out with, but I had no idea to what extent uh, the activities that were going on. Yeah. So yeah. So after, you know, years, honestly, of that, I got to a place where I would be out on Saturday nights doing God knows what, and then I would wake up and still go lead worship uh, to a God I didn't even believe in anymore. Um, it was safe. It was comfortable. You know, um, I didn't really, I don't really know what I thought I was doing because that's not sustainable. It was just doing so much violence in, in my heart and soul. And, um, you know, once, once the door, I've, I've heard someone say before that if, that if the enemy can get you alone, he can get you to do anything. And they're in all the hiding and the, and the coping and, and shame. I started to believe this lie that I'd be happier if I wasn't married because that presented, it was like this, there was, there was accountability there. There was, um, it just seemed like that, that would allow me to be who I really was. And I would, I would be able to do what I wanted to do and I would be happy and doing what I wanted to do. It was just more of the same. It was more, um, of these, those choices and behaviors that I'd chosen to help cope with. I'm sorry for throwing a pity party That's just like me making it all about me Childishly Tired of feeling tired Yet wired My mind feels so scattered There's no pattern I need to believe this matters Help me see. Uh, I sat Stephanie down one night in January of 2010, and I said, "I I don't want to be married anymore." And um, well, actually, I said I said 14 words just like this. I said, I don't believe in God anymore, and I don't want to be married anymore. And that was that was it. And uh, we lived together for about a month, filed papers, and the divorce was final. Chris, let me go back into your story a little bit with you leading worship at church on Sunday night or on Sundays. On Saturday night, you had just finished partying. Was there an internal angst or do you feel like at that point you were just kind of desensitized? It was just kind of, were you going through the motions or were you still feeling the conviction of the Holy Spirit, if you will, when you were singing and leading on Sunday? I'm sure there was a season of that, you know, but then you just get kind of numb to it, you know? And I think the way that our brains deal with that is that it's almost, it's almost like we become two selves. You know, there's this, there's this one thing that we perform and we put on, there's this, you know, I've heard people talk about it like masks, but man, just, just to know that your brain is, 
you're almost creating two different people and that's a it, that's a coping mechanism in and of itself but i surely started out feeling convicted but yeah after after enough of that it, it doesn't quite the same Steph, so let me ask you. So Chris sits you down and I've read enough of your story to know that this was kind of out of the blue for you. Looking back, can you see any warning signs? Was there anything that you now, of course, you're on the other side of it, but that you can go back and say, okay, yeah, I missed that or I missed that red flag. Was there anything like that? Oh, sure. Uh, Always clear looking back, you know, Um, but like I said, our, our lives are so busy during that season that I use that as an excuse for a lot of things um, that we just weren't connecting or, you know, our communication was really off. If I brought something up or you too, you know, if either one of us brought something up, we just weren't, neither one of us were good at receiving any sort of, um, what could come across as criticism or we're know. great at it now. <laughs> we're I'm learning. Ki- I'm kidding. <laughs> it's always a process. <laughs> it's always a process. Um, right. But, but yeah, there were little things like noticing uh, when he wouldn't want to pray out loud at church or I think at one point our small group asked us if we would lead worship or something. And he like just kind of avoided it and didn't, didn't respond and, and just some little things like that. And he did come to me one time about some questions that he was having about his faith and which was scary for me to hear in my very, I don't know, my box that I put my, my life in. And I didn't really have room for those kind of doubts, I think at the time in my faith. And so I didn't, I didn't press. I just assumed over time as he's reading some of these books and things, I was like, Oh, he's okay. He's going to work it out. It'll be okay. Yeah. I think that was kind of my mantra. Like everything's fine. I'd rather just be naively optimistic, I think, and assume it's going to be fine. Mm. You know, I'm so interested in the whole process of like deconstruction, because I know that there's so many believers, well-known believers and lesser known believers who are going through that process. And most of them go through it alone. And I'm a pastor at my church. And so this is always a topic that's near and dear to my heart. When I see someone who was like on fire for the Lord, and then they just drop off the face of the earth. I'm super compassionate because I feel like what would it look like if the family of God really behaved more like the family of God? What would it look like if Chris, you felt free and safe enough to go to somebody at church and say, I don't know if I believe any of this stuff. Like, not like, Oh, I have a question here or there, but I, at the root of everything, I don't know if any of this is true. What would it be like? And I always like dream, Oh God, you know, what would it be like if people felt safe enough, if they felt vulnerable enough to do that and if nobody tried to make it okay in one conversation, if they just like allowed you to process, what would it have been like if you would have felt like I can talk to my wife about these things and stuff, your response could be, I have no idea where this is going to end up, but I'm here for you. I want to support, you know what I mean? And I just feel like, you know, Chris, you made, it was so, you're so right that we've gotten so good at hiding and we've gotten so good at like playing the role. And I know that there are many Christians who are even listening to this right now who are questioning their faith, who are questioning maybe even Christian leaders who are questioning some very fundamental things. And so, Chris, what do you think it was for you that made you not open up? Was it a fear of being rejected? Like, what was it? I've always felt like an outsider. Um, I think I think it's it has to it would have to do with my history. You know, I, I was an only child. I was comfortable being alone. I was comfortable thinking, thought, you know, be, I grew up alone a lot of the time. 
And uh, my mom was a single mom. I hung out with her and all her friends and I would, I would enjoy that, but that wasn't me. You know, it was like a part of me. I think I just early on, it was, there was this, I was okay with everyone not knowing or with being alone. And so I think just very, from a very young age, I, I'm very honest with myself. That's one of the, I think that's one of the characteristics of people with my personality type. Um, and, but specifically for the doubts, I really, I really just think it was part of the part of a failure of the church and part of a failure of me just being naive. I didn't have mentors. I didn't have people in my life saying, Hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, I struggle with doubt. And yeah, it's just not, it wasn't an open dialogue around. Well, I think too, with us serving in the church in different capacities, being on stage, it's like, Oh, well that they need to have it together. They Mm -hmm. need to know. And, and just kind of, maintaining that facade of which we now know is false you know that the people on stage they must they have it all figured out yeah it's great i mean there's a crazy analog uh, we i didn't mean to talk about this but you and i were talking about this the other day i think i was a worship leader not on staff but in a lot of different places and i pretended like i was okay and i thought i had to um and i see that a lot even now we get so many messages from people uh, on Instagram or on social media. And like, they have their own platform and I, I just, I'll go and I'll snoop and it's like, everything's fine. I'm a personal, you know, I'm an influencer of dietitian, whatever. And that's great. Like this, there's still, like, I see people with that same, with that same idea that like, we can't be who we really are and there are boundaries to be sure. But, but just being more open about what we're going through and, and, Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I see it all the time in the work that I do as a marriage coach. Like you've got these people who their Instagrams are, like you said, beautiful and they're lovey-dovey with their spouses and they're literally falling apart. And um, it just breaks my heart because, I, you know, I don't want to I don't want to crucify the church, but I do believe that we've got some work to do to become more of an accepting community and more of a, a true safe place. Like we all say that we're safe place, but Honestly, when people have doubts about faith, it's not always safe. It's not always the the easiest group of people to go and talk to. And so um, I just think that that's one of the things that really drew me to to your story wasn't just that like your marriage fell apart, but your whole faith kind of fell apart. I'm not saying we pretend it's been better than it's been. Short fuses keep wounding. Wishing that we've gone to bed instead I mean, I think we're doing fine I say we're good most of the time I know you're my home, I just want to want you like before When we laugh till we cry Catch your eye, butterflies feeling so high Staying up till the sunrise Can we fall back in love? Even though we're scared of everything we messed up, it's worth the work for us to fall back in love. Let's fall back in love. I know that that season wasn't super long. You guys were divorced for under a year, right? When you kind of started having conversations about reconciliation. So Steph, I know that you had kind of moved on and you had bought a house. And I read that, you know, your family had written scriptures on the floors of the new house. And this had become like your new sanctuary. Had you, did you have in, in your wildest dreams, 
Did you ever think that there would be a reconciliation? Was it something that you were possibly hoping for or had you completely moved on from that? I, man, that, that year was such a, a season of painful growth for me that I, that was necessary for me as a person and for my relationship with the Lord, something that I wouldn't want to walk through again, but I wouldn't trade because of what I learned about just the love of the father and so many things, just the sin that I had in my own life, you know, in my very self-righteous early days in our marriage, you know, feeling like he was the one, he was the wrong one. And I was right. And gosh, so I could talk for hours about all the things that God taught me that year. But man, I, I had gotten to a point where I believed that he would come back to the Lord, but I didn't think that I would be a part of it. And I think some of that was just a self-preservation thing of like, gosh, I just, I can't imagine clinging to the hope of him coming back for years and years. I just, and I, I don't know what I would have done. You know, we, we praise God. It was a year of us being apart. I don't know what I would have done, but, but yeah, I, I had finally gotten to a point where God had just made it clear and, and shown me that I could trust him with whatever my future was, even if I didn't know. And so I had really let go of that idea of reconciliation. And of course, that's when I heard from him again. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. <laughs> yeah. You hear that so much, though, you know, like when, when, you're, in high, when you're in high school or college, you're like, yeah, I've just been wanting a boyfriend, a girlfriend for so long. I've been wanting to meet the right person. And as soon as I stopped looking, there they were. So like, there they go. Yeah. So many times. I can't imagine how much courage that must have taken, though, for you, Chris, to be like, Hey, I know I said that I was done with God and done with this marriage, but <laughs> back. like, what was that like for you when you finally, like, when you kind of started having, you came back to the Lord, praise God, you came back. Um, now, let me ask you though, I don't want to just assume, like when you approach Stephanie, do you feel like you were like, I'm fully back into my relationship with the Lord? Or were you still, I guess we're always in process, but were you still kind of in the early stages of that process? Yeah. I mean, to quickly summarize what I went through, it was, you know, it was a prodigal son story. I got to do what I thought I wanted to do and I got to do what I thought would make me happy. And it just made me empty and miserable. And, uh, I had a very come to Jesus moment, if you will, um, where I just, it was like the veil was pulled from my eyes and, I'm not a very helpful uh, interviewee for people who are like very intellectual and they're like, I'm doubting my faith and I don't know what to do. I love talking with those people and I have, and it's, it's fantastic because I have lots of thoughts on it, but God didn't use intellect to, to get to me. He used my heart, he used my brokenness. He used my own failure as, as an avenue to reach me. And I had to sort through all the intellectual stuff, but anyway, coming back around, um, it felt what <laughs> it didn't feel like I was being brave. I, I, I think I had sort of settled a lot of that. Like I said, the veil was pulled from my eyes and yeah, I just sort of reached out and yeah. And I think you would say, yeah, I've heard you say, we could speak for each other. You told the story so many times, but you've talked about like your doubts didn't all immediately go away. No, I had plenty of stuff to work through, but I had had an encounter with, with the divine, you know, with divine love and with transformational love that's radical and unconditional, regardless of our circumstances or, or our actions or behavior. God met me in the darkest moment of my life with, with love and with grace. And, um, it transformed me. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what the future held. I, I still had a lot of, a lot of questions that were boxed away in my brain, but 
it was it was a it was a radical encounter. There there wasn't any question in my mind. So, yeah, I love that. You know, God met you where you were, and I think that it is as always His love that transforms us. Thank God for the apologists and those who can defend the faith. But at the yeah. end of the day, it is always about having an encounter with the one who created us, the one who loves us, the one who was drawing you even when you didn't want to be drawn <laughs> you know who was searching for you even when you didn't want to be found and uh, that's the beauty of our faith i love that so much let me ask you today do you still struggle with doubts uh absolutely yeah i mean i think i think doubt and questions are just it's like the inhale and exhale of of a life of faith not to say that i just think it's a very useful and helpful thing to not be afraid of things that you have questions about, you know, that it can lead to some of the most transformational truths. It's like, yeah. I, so, of course, so of course, yeah, I have, and I don't know it, the further away I get from that season, the more certain I feel like I'm standing on something. And I don't mean I question the same things. I don't still wrestle with a lot of the same issues. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's always kind of that existential part of me, um, mm-hmm. for sure. It's wrestling, and, and I think that's that's healthy. Yeah, I know that you said, and I don't know, I was reading somewhere on your website, maybe, that there was, the scripture that came to mind was that sin has its pleasure for a season. And so there was there was a thrill in that lifestyle for a season. And I think that's important for people to know, especially parents. A lot of times, like we want to teach our kids, like stay away from sin. It's horrible. It's bad. It's, 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 you know, it's the worst thing you could do. And kids are like, I actually pretty like it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's pretty fun. <laughs> and yeah, I think that's, that's just I say all the time. I say from stage, I'm like, nobody would sin if it wasn't fun. Exactly. You know? It didn't feel good, but it's empty. You yeah. know? It, it's unfulfilling. It's I've said it as like, you know, it's like trying to write a check or swipe a card without having any money in the bank. You know, it's yeah. just empty and it's going to fail you. Yeah. So Chris comes back, Steph, and he's like, hey, you know, let's let's talk about this. And how was your immediate circle? Like, you know, I know if it were my family, they would be like, girl, no, we're going to shut that down. You know what I mean? Like, did you have some of that or were people and your family and friends like, were they accepting? And like, how did how did they respond to this? Uh, it was interesting because Chris really became a part of my family um, since the first Sunday lunch that he came to after the mission trip. Like he became a part of our family. And so I mean, my dad, my brother, they were on that trip. So um, so they, my family, my parents really felt like they, they lost a son. And we were um, close. And very close. We were over there at least twice a week. We lived oh, wow. in the same town. Yeah. And so... They, and in a lot of ways, what happened, I think was more painful for them than even me, you know, going through it themselves, watching their daughter go through that and losing a son in the process. So as things were coming back around, they were very supportive. They, I mean, they never stopped praying (laughs) for that, Um, but also still very protective of me. (laughs) You know, my dad had really good questions for you and, you know, obviously he's very protective of me. So um, it was really encouraging to see, and even our church at the time we were going to really kind of rallying behind us and, and I think challenging certain things, but being really supportive in the process. I the think only, the, I think the people who 
had questions were people who did not As know I was gonna me say, before. The, the only people, so I, you know, I moved on with my life. I went, started going to a new, um, like young adult group. I went to Africa with this new group of people. So they did not know Chris. So when they heard about him coming back around, they were the ones that were like, yeah, no, <laughs> just, I don't, I don't believe it. I don't see it yet. Cause the yeah, first so. chapter of their book of me was, Oh, that's the divorcer. <laughs> Heartbreaker. Yeah. You know, where I had all this history and community with these yeah. other folks. So it was, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful response all around. I don't blame them for, for being yeah. protected. Wow. Now you all did not have kids at the time, right? No, we did okay. not. No. Okay. All right. That was a grace. Yeah. Yeah. So you get married and I want to ask you all, both of you, what part of your vows today mean the most to you? Hmm. Well, we, yeah, we got remarried after a few months, you know, we took, we took some time really lots of counseling, lots of counseling, wanted to make mm-hmm. sure that this is what God had for us. And, uh, the second time we had a very tiny ceremony and we wrote our own vows, which we didn't do the first time. Uh, I don't remember. I, no I don't remember what they said, <laughs> we re- <laughs> we but we're living by them. We don't remember them, but we're living by them. That's right. <laughs> I we, think, we could we could lie and say that we wake up at 6 a.m. and read them to each other every, every day. day. But first thing we do every morning. Yeah. Um, I think uh, one question a lot of people ask is, or they want to know is like, okay, but are like, do you ever are you ever still afraid that he's going to leave or something's going to happen again? And truly, and we are 10 years removed now. Praise God, celebrated mm. 10 years of God's redemption in our marriage. But like, I never. I never have a doubt that he, that he's going to leave. Like I, it, because of what God has done, because of the people that we are, neither one of us are the same people we were the first time around. Cause God just did, gosh, just incredible work in both of us that we were kind of unrecognizable to each other. But, but our marriage is so different. It's so different the second time around. You know, there's, there's, just freedom, I think, and safety. And yeah, I don't think our first marriage was a safe place. And yeah. so to, it was like, fine. What part of our vows, <laughs> I think yeah. what part of our vows means the most, you know, or just the part of our marriage is just the safe. Yeah. Just being able to be open and authentic with each other. Yeah. Right? Be fully ourselves being able to, and unafraid, yeah. you know, and yeah, that's a huge part of it. Yeah, I always think of like in Genesis, you know, how that was the original intent, right? That Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. And I always think about like, that's the, that's the picture. Like, that's what marriage should be. It's not that you're perfect. It's not that you agree all the time. It's not that you even have the same value system, but it's that you are free to be yourself and to not be ashamed that you're, you can be exposed to your spouse and not feel shame. And I just think that's such a beautiful picture. Can we fall back in love, even though we're scared of everything we messed up? It's worth the work for us to fall back in love. We can get there again, like you and me till the end. Stop looking for perfection, cause what we have to know. really what you do now is you use your story and through music and I love your music I was listening even on the drive this morning I was listening to some of your songs how when did that start to become a part of your story 
very quickly. That's true. Yeah. It, it, worship leading had always been a part and he had done the singer songwriter thing. I didn't want to have anything to do with it <laughs> back then. And yeah, very long story short, we did a conference in Nashville, a GMA thing and, and ended up doing competition side, got to the finals. We were horrible. don't know how that happened, but kind of broke the rules. We weren't supposed to talk and we ended up sharing our story for just a quick minute because we had been remarried for all of like, imagine, imagine the voice, like it's in this auditorium. Like, yeah, There's a lot of people there, judges, all of that. Yeah. And we just shared our story, so we quickly. Shared our story oh, wow. before we, before we sang. And then at the end of that, a, a woman had come up to me just crying because her husband had left and was going through the same thing. So that was, that was kind of the final, there were a few other little hints, but that was the final thing that really confirmed in us that music was the platform that God was going to give us to tell the story and to bring people hope. It's like, we weren't even there for this no. competition. Aspect. <laughs> that was just like another part. thing. And, and, yeah. and this small step of faith to just, yeah. to just be faithful, to tell our story and to share what God did. That that's not anything about us. You know, that, that's just us being faithful and, and to see the fruit right away. It was like, okay, something's here. Let's chase this. And there's small steps of faith along the way. Um, yeah. And just started writing songs about, you know, not, not all specifically about our story. Some are, but just, just the struggles. And we've always set out to write honest songs that don't sugarcoat <laughs> a walk with the Lord. Cause it's hard. Yeah. It's a hard call. It's a hard call to lay your life down daily, you know, for, for your spouse, for others. And so our, our mission, our goal always is not for people to look at us and, and think of our story, but to think of, of God's story that we'd always point people back to the hope that we all have in Jesus. And your music is called Out of the Dust Music. So where did that name come from? What does that mean to you all? Stephanie came up with it. So, <laughs> okay. I mean, it's, it's as much of a, it's as much of a band name as it, as it kind of is just a headline for our story. You know, I mean, we were, Steph, um, tells from stage a lot of times just where the name came from. But I mean, part of it is just, part of it is just that, uh, God, God breathed in the, you mentioned Genesis, God breathed his spirit. There's this word pneuma. It means like spirit. He breathed his spirit into the dust to create humanity, to create man, to create Adam. And that was dust. It was lifeless. It was void. And that's what happened to our marriage. Our, mm-hmm. our marriage was reduced to dust and God breathed his spirit into us individually he reconciled us to himself first and then because of that was able to restore us to each other from the dust out of the dust that is so beautiful i just think that's a perfect place for us to end i'm just imagining right now just that whole process it really makes me emotional you know just to think of god's unending love for us and his creative design and how i believe god puts us here on this earth and we spend our entire lives here getting back to that original design that he created for us. Um, and it's just such a beautiful story that you all have. And um, so I just thank you so much for sharing it with us. Um, if people want to find out more about you and, and buy your music, I know they can find you on Spotify and all, but where are the best places for them to go to find out more about you all? Yeah. The easiest is just our website out of the They can contact us there learn more about our story or really socials were probably Instagram were the most active. We, we consider our ministry on Instagram, just answering messages. We love, love to be praying for people or encouraging them in their own journey. So yeah, I encourage them to reach out everywhere. We're out of the dust music. 
out of the dust. All right. Well, Chris and Steph, thank you so much for being with us today. Um, one final question before you go. I can't let you leave without how would you imagine that a couple is listening um, on the other end of this podcast and they're they're ready to give up all hope in their marriage? Maybe one spouse is by themselves right now and they're ready to give up hope. How would you encourage them in their marriage? Yeah, I I would just say that marriage is a marriage is just marriage is meant to be a reflection of gospel love. Marriage is marriage is designed to be a reflection of God's love to us as his people. And we we we're the the covenant love that we have in a marriage. So um, it's a daily dying. And that is the most difficult thing that you will ever do, you know? Um, But I think to encourage someone who feels like giving up hope, it's just, it's, you're never too lost. There's, there's, you're never too far gone for God to redeem because that covenant is, it's, it's, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than you and your spouse. It's, it's a, it's this cosmic thing that we get to partake in and it's beautiful and it is difficult, but it's worth it. So if it feels like you want to give up, um, there, there is, there's so much beauty through the suffering and through that pain and all, and along that journey that that you'll find if you just stick with it. Yeah. That's what I would add. I mean, that there's, there's always hope. <laughs> there's always mm-hmm. hope uh, that God's going to move. And sometimes that may not look like what you want or what you imagined or what you feel like you deserve. And if you're in that season of waiting or just uncertain of what the future is, you know, like you said, God's not going to waste any of that. There will be redemption no matter what that looks like. He's always going to redeem. So good. Well, thanks again, you guys. I'm super grateful to have you today. Love your story. Love everything you're you're doing. And so just thanks again for being with us today. Yeah, us too. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So, so beautiful. I love how we ended that episode. I would just say too, for those of you who are struggling in your marriages, one of the things that Chris said that I wrote it down and I'm going to be posting it on social because I think it was just so profound. He said, God met me in the darkest moment of my life with love and with grace, and it transformed me. You know, in the work that I do as a marriage coach, I'm constantly trying to help couples to recover from trauma, to recover from whatever it is that has caused them this disconnection in their marriages. And one of the things that I cannot overlook is that when you allow God to transform you first as an individual, your marriage will be transformed. And so if you are holding on to hope, if you are on the brink of divorce, or maybe like Chris and Steph, you are divorced and you're wondering, can God do that for me? He did it for them. Can he do it for me? My encouragement to you today, friend, would be allow him to transform your life. If you need to come back to the Lord, come back. Like, don't wait any longer. I truly believe that when you and your spouse surrender everything to God, and I'm talking to those of you who might not even call yourselves Christians yet, but when you surrender everything to him, he does the miraculous. So Chris and Steph, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you for being an example to other couples who also have maybe divorced and maybe they're reconsidering or they're getting back together. It is such a beautiful thing to witness that happen. 
So thanks again for listening today. Remember that Out of the Dust new EP called The After comes out on March 25th. So make sure that you get your copy of that. And if you want to learn more about Chris and Steph, you can visit them at outofthedustmusic.com. I will also link to them in the show notes of this podcast. So go over to realrelationshiptalk.com forward slash episode 83. It has been my absolute pleasure being with you all today on this podcast episode. So taking us out today are Chris and Steph. This song is called Rest. Being scared isn't sinful, but God, sometimes I'm forgetful that you're right here in the middle. Father, help me remember being scared isn't sinful. God, sometimes I'm forgetful But you're right here in the middle Father, help me remember You wanna carry this for me This isn't the end of my story Your love is forever restoring Forever restoring Yes, you wanna carry this for me This isn't the end of my story Your love is forever restoring listening to Real Relationship Talk with Dana Shea. Find the show notes, helpful articles, and more relationship tips at realrelationshiptalk.com. Enjoying the show? Be sure to rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And remember to subscribe. We'll see you on the next episode. No matter what you're going through, you are not alone. Sis, if you've experienced pain in your father-daughter relationship, I want you to know that you are loved and seen. I'm Kia Stevens, host of the Hope for Women with Father Wounds podcast, and I created my show to help you exchange your father wounds for the love of God the Father. Join me for encouragement, wisdom, and scripture. Just search Hope for Women with Father Wounds on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcast.